Truth News Network. A sitting president blames the unvaccinated for the outbreak of a virus, but the outbreak is among the vaccinated. A vaccine maker announces their 98% effective vaccine is nowhere near as effective as they claimed, and now booster shots for life. How does this happen? It happens in the absence of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, brings it to clarity with Dan Newman. Don't you wish you lived in a world where the vacuum was the truth and it sucked everything else into it, that we lived in nothing but vapid atmosphere permeated by the truth. That'd be a great starting point for every day, wouldn't it? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live, a production of Truth News Net, truthnewsnet.org, Truth News Network. We're so glad you choose to join us. And for those of you that are regulars, thank you so much for being regulars. We appreciate so much you coming and listening in just to get a perspective. Yeah, it's the truth as best as we can ferret out in numerous bad situations. It's really tough to do sometimes. Let me just give you a synopsis of the timing of what we do here. For every hour that we're airing, it requires a minimum of another hour in show prep. So a two-hour show takes a minimum of four hours to produce in total. And it's worth every minute of it. Let me just say this. I'm the guy who does almost all the research. Now, fortunately, we have some contributing editors around the nation and around the world that feed us stuff. And if you're one of those people, if you're ever thinking you see something, you read something, you hear something, forward it to us and we'll investigate it on our end. As a matter of fact, what we'll do, and we do it every day, you might as well just throw something in here, something that you hear or see or read, send it to me at dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. We'll do the dirty work. We'll do the digging, we'll do the proving and disproving, but we'll turn it into facts. Either, yeah, we've investigated, this is true. Or, no, don't believe this if and when you hear it. You got that? It's all about finding the truth. And it's not just us, folks. You not only can do the same things, you need to be doing the same things. We all do. There's so much untruth that's just normalized by... It's not just our government, folks. I mean, look at media today. Look at the stories that we're told, the cover-ups that we find out way at the end of it. Oh, this wasn't exactly what we were told it was. That happens every day. And so because of all that noise, all that distraction out there, the responsibility to get to the bottom of it, that falls on who? We the people. I am one of the we the people. You are too. So we need to just do our job. And if we'll do that, if we don't do anything but that, folks, find the truth and pass it around over a period of time and not a long period of time, we can change the entire political landscape of this country. And I, I, I don't think anybody listening in today disagrees that we need to. We really need to change the landscape. Of America. Let me just tell you something. By the time we get to the end of today's show, you're going to get some more truths about corruption and evil that have been laying out there among the populace 
A lot of people know what we're going to talk about today and have known for a long time, but they've covered it up. They've covered it up. You can call it corruption. You can call it evil. You can call it mistakes and accidental misrepresentations, all those kind of things you can call it. But what it is, folks, is 180 degrees away from facts, from truth. Anytime anybody tries to hide something, you need to find out what and why they're hiding it, especially if it pertains to anything to do with you. That's what the freest country on the planet is supposed to do. We were told up front, not me personally, not you personally, but Americans 260 years ago were told, look, here's our structure. Here it is right here, the United States Constitution. This is how we're going to operate this country, not just among the populace, but from the top down. Everyone you elect, we the people, everyone you elect and send to D.C., they're going to fit into this template that we've created. And nobody, by the way, can change the template except the American people. Yeah, we the representatives of the American people that you sent us to Washington, D.C. so we can craft laws to run this nation by, we will have input into it. But the bottom line is you choose us and we commit to you We're going to abide by the structure that you, we the people, put in place for us to use to run this country. Now look back over your shoulder. How old are you? 68 for me, looking over my shoulder. When I first began to become alive in my understanding, just a little bit of understanding of how our nation runs, folks, the first president I really interacted with or got involved in politics with in any way was John F. Kennedy, 1960. And I began to watch the landscape of politics. Now you got to remember, what we had back then as a measure for news came out of three, just three television networks. And at that particular time, I knew there was such a thing as a New York Times but I never saw one. I lived in Lafayette, Louisiana. My parents, they subscribed to the Daily Advertiser, the local newspaper. And of course, back then, all the big news, you know, the stuff that happened in Rain, Louisiana, and Doosan, Louisiana, and Broussard, Louisiana, which were all suburbs and still are of Lafayette, those made the front few pages. But then there was a national section, very small, and also an international, they called it world, the world section, which was a paragraph or two. Those were the only places we got our news. You had NBC, ABC, CBS television, and they had that famous 6 o'clock evening newscast. There were even no morning television news shows at that time. You had to wait till 6 o'clock Central Time, which is 7 o'clock East Coast. But that's when we got our news. That's how we got our news. So even when I was a young boy, now I was seven years old, seven years old, just turned seven, wait a minute, I just turned, yeah, I just turned seven years old when JFK was elected. 
And so I began to pay attention. And to be honest with you, the only reason that that was a, a marker in my life at the time was he was a Catholic. Lafayette, Louisiana sits in the, the heart of, I mean, totalitarian, and that's I'm not saying that in a bad way, but Catholics were everywhere across Louisiana, especially south of the midpoint of the state. And so we were attuned to Catholicism and Catholics, and his being the very first Catholic president was a big deal, especially down there. So that kind of opened the door to me to just look in and pay attention. And even at seven, folks, I began to wonder about things in politics. I didn't really understand the structure at that time. And it took me years to really weigh in and just root in and find the facts of what each branch of the government is about and how it runs and the rule of law and the United States Constitution and all those amendments. It took a while, but you know what? It's been worth it. It's been worth it because that whole structure, not the news structure, the government structure, basically was then and still is supposed to be, at least now, the undergirding that we can always rely on. It's the foundation of this nation. And little by little, through the years since 1960, well, it probably started before then, but I wasn't around cognizantly before then. That's when I began to become aware of it. I've seen it peeled away, chipped away at, little by little by little, and almost every bit of the erosion of that great nation and its structure that I first learned about in 1960. It looks nothing today like it did then. Why? Because corruption has just found little crevices and crooks in that foundation and are chipping away at it day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. And it's continuing on that path and will until you and I awaken and we say no more. What are we going to talk about specifically today? There are some really biggies. Of course, you heard we've got a United States Supreme Court justice that is going to retire. And it's a big story, a really big story. And there are multiple facets that are also very big. We're going to open up with that in just a minute. What are we doing later on? There's some sour stuff happening around the world. And it's not just about Russia and Ukraine or COVID-19 or illegal immigration or inflation or any of that. It's about some of that, but there's some big, really big corruption news this morning in some of those very areas that I just mentioned. We're going to unpack it all for you. You're going to hear from old Jen, Jen Saki. She was called on the carpet yesterday by that uh, thorn in the flesh for the Biden administration in news and media. Fox News is Peter Ducey. You're also going to hear Fox News called out along with Donald Trump called out by CNN's own stars, bright and shining stars, Brian Stelzer and Acosta. You remember him? He was Donald Trump's thorn in the flesh, that's for sure. You're going to hear from them. 
And you know, Peter Schweitzer, you've heard us talk about him. He's the investigative guy that, I mean, he goes into the layers upon layers upon layers of corruption at every level. And he finds out things that just blow our mind. He's got a new book out now that just exposes the Biden family syndicate, Joe Biden himself individually, and the whole group. There's some more big news out today coming out of Schweitzer that doesn't have anything to do with Joe Biden, but it has to do with another very powerful government family. Wow. So you better buckle in. And listen, if you have to leave at any time during the show, you never have to miss it. We tell you this now. We'll remind you every day. Anytime you miss all or part of a show, you can always go back and get it. You've got about seven ways to do that. The first is today's story at the homepage of truthnewsnet.org. When this show is over, within five or ten minutes, down at the very bottom of the story, you'll see a link with today's show. All you got to do is click on the link, the arrow there. You can listen to the whole show. In addition to that, if you're a podcaster or somebody that likes podcasts, you can grab this show and every other previous TNN Live show by going to Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, and TuneIn Podcast. And when you go to those the very first time, what you have to do, it's real simple, in the search bar, just type in the name of this show, TNN Live, and click enter. And when you do the logo of the show, you see it all the time on our uh, webpage, will pop up, and directly below it is an index of shows. The latest show is always up at the top. So you can do that anytime. You don't have to be here live. Listen, I love having you joining us every day. It means a lot to me. And I know for many of you, it's a sacrifice. And I appreciate that. But I know what's happening. You're spoon feeding yourselves every day, getting more information. Now, I'm going to challenge you before we get going here today. I want you to share what we're doing. Hey, your friends, tell them about it. Hey, there's an easy way to listen to the show. You need to listen to it and tell them how I just told you where they can go to get the show absolutely free on our website any day, but even easier for most people because most people listen to some podcast. I do. I'm sure you do too. Point them to Spotify. I forgot Spotify. Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Google Podcast. Do the search for TNN Live and there they are. You never have to miss a show. So where do we get started here today? Obviously, the 900-pound gorilla in the room is Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. He's headed out the door. There's a lot of moving parts in this, and we're going to get into them. You need to learn this up front and know how this is happening and how powerful people are in Washington who are not in government. So he is retiring, and of course what that means, it'll set President Biden up with his first vacancy that he gets to fill in the Supreme Court. So this is Justice Stephen Breyer. A source close to Breyer said that the justice is going to step down at the end of the current court term, and I think that's in 
June. I believe that's the, uh, the end of this particular term. He's 83 years old. He's been the subject of a bunch of speculation about his retirement for several years now. And there's some um, very strange, sinister manipulation that's been going on about this. Liberal activists in the nation were calling for him to retire soon, right after, as a matter of fact, Biden was inaugurated. Why? They want to make sure that Joe Biden gets to pick the next guy. They want a hardcore far-left justice to replace Breyer. Now, I wouldn't call Breyer hardcore left, but he is very, very, uh, I'm going to say this, left, leftist moderate, okay? He's not in the middle. He certainly isn't on the right, but he's leaning, in most cases that come before the court, he's leaning left, very obviously. He was appointed by President Bill Clinton, of course, a Democrat. Breyer's Breyer's replacement is going to need to be confirmed by the Senate, which is going to be tough because, remember, it's a 50-50 split between Dems and GOP. Democrats technically have the majority because, of course, the sitting vice president can break any ties. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said yesterday, Breyer's replacement will be, quote, confirmed by the full U.S. Senate with all deliberate speed. So, of course, then everybody turns to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. She's in Joe Biden's ear, or he's in her ear all the time, right? Well, she yesterday said the White House won't be commenting, at least for now, about Justice Breyer stepping down. I wonder why that is. She clarified it by saying this in a tweet. It has always been the decision of any Supreme Court justice, if and when they decide to retire, and how they want to announce it, That remains the case today. We have no additional details to share from the White House. Well, during his campaign, Uncle Joe promised that he was going to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. Now, let's pause right there and think about that. Let's back up a minute. Who is Joe Biden? What has Joe Biden always stood for? anti-racism, inclusion, all those buzzwords regarding race, right? Well, he hadn't always been there. What do you mean, Dan? We've played sound bites of then-Senator Joe Biden. He was against integration. He was against busing. He made it very clear in one of the audio bites we played for you, he said he did not want to integrate schools. He did not want his kids going to school in a racial jungle. That doesn't sound real inclusive, does it? One of his best friends was a former KKK, top whatever their titles are, and was a member of the United States Senate along with Joe, Senator Byrd. Remember that? So let me ask you this. You're, let me just make a statement, then I'll ask you a question. All of the quote-unquote experts on the left regarding everything to do with political, and especially those that use the race card in every third sentence they speak, how are they going to qualify Joe Biden 
nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court rather than picking the person. I don't know or I don't care who it is or who the group includes. Instead of finding the most qualified person that would even consider being nominated and if affirms serve on the Supreme Court, regardless of their sex, regardless of their color, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their religion. I thought that's what the Democrats believed in. Do you realize that by saying that he would nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court, the President of the United States by making that announcement, now he didn't do it when he was president, he was campaigning. He wanted your vote. He wanted every African American in the nation to know, I'm out there for you black folks. I'm going to be your guy. I'm going to take care of you. You don't like the way judicial uh, decisions are handled at the Supreme Court. Well, I'm going to make sure when anybody retires in the United States Supreme Court that I'm going to give you, first of all, a black woman. Bam. Nobody questioned him in that. Not a single person. Will anybody question him in that now? Well, I just did. Now, here's the deal. Here's why you're not going to hear anything on Fox News about questioning him choosing a specific race and gender of somebody, you won't hear anybody ask that. Fox News is going to go quiet. You may you may read something in um, Breitbart or um, some of the Epoch News, the BL, Just the News, the Federalist. You may hear somebody mention it, but nobody's going to harp on it. And I'm only harping on it. I mean... To be honest with you, I have no idea who's out there on the landscape of who is qualified to serve as a Supreme Court justice or who Joe Biden might want. I don't have any clue. That's not what I do. I don't flow in those circles. And I'm not an attorney, so I don't know who the studs or the stud S's out there really are. But I guarantee you me, now listen, I'm a white guy from the South. I'm bald. I wear an earring. No, I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi sympathizer. I'm not a white supremacist. I am a conservative. I'm not a registered Republican. If I even bring this up on or in any other forum besides this forum, TNN Live, I'm going to be branded as a racist. I'm going to be branded as a white supremacist. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think making a racist decision or making or speaking about making a racist nomination in any way is going to fix any racism? What do you mean? This is racist? Well, you tell me. Flip the coin. What if uh, George W. Bush, Bush 43, if he had said, 
when he was campaigning, if you elect me president and somebody from the Supreme Court retires or dies, I'm going to replace them with a white woman or I'm going to replace them with a white man. Can you imagine the catcalls, the derision, the demonstrations, the violence even that would occur because that is a racist perspective to start with and no president in the United States should ever do that. That's denigrating people. Joe Biden said, I promise if you elect me, I will nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court if a vacancy becomes available. Nobody will call him on it. Not a soul. The, the lone voice on a national level that I think you may hear bring it up is Mark Levin. He's an attorney, a constitutional attorney. He has a, a one-time-a-week show on Fox News. He has his own daily show. He may bring it up, but he's already in the, I mean, he is in the, the bullseye of everybody on the left. First of all, he's a Jew. Oh my gosh, a Jewish Republican. I'm not even sure if he's a Republican. I know he's a conservative, but he's a constitutional attorney. I mean, a real constitutional attorney. You're going to hear from another one, Jonathan Turley. In this show, we're going to, we're going to talk about what he had to say about this. I just wanted to plant that thought in your mind. You're about to watch the Democrat Party, the leader of the Democrat Party, the leader of the free world. You're about to watch him embark on a 100% racist cause that he trumpeted to the world months before he's going to do it. Millions of people voted for him knowing that he was going to make a racist pull and they're okay with that. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is to put it in the context. When they want to throw allegations against you just because you want something that's a, a conservative cause to be implemented, to replace something that isn't working from a leftist perspective, they're going to call you racist. What Joe Biden said he was going to do is 100 racist. Now, why do you think Stephen Breyer's stepping down? He's 83. I mean, come on. I know being a Supreme Court justice, I just, I don't know. I've never been in their building. I've always wanted to go there. But I haven't been to Washington, D.C. a bunch, and every time I've been there, without exception, as a matter of fact, I've been there on business. So I didn't have a lot of time to you know, go through the monuments or the buildings. I haven't been in the Capitol. I haven't been to the White House. But I'm sure the job, it is, uh, it's got to be brutal. But it's not brutal in the way that a lot of people consider that when you talk about employment. It's not physical. It's mental. It does require a lot of time. But most Supreme Court justices work long into into their lifespan because it's not so physical. I'm not sure he wanted to retire. 
Now listen to what we're going to talk about here. He talked about it, and he felt like, I know he was talked to by scads of people. Mr. Justice, when are you going to retire and move on to, you know, you're in that, that time in your life where you got to look down the road. But some people came along, may have been some of those that talked to him about it, but people that are on the dark side of politics. And it came out overnight. He didn't even know. He didn't announce yesterday he was retiring. It was leaked to the press, and it wasn't leaked by him. And he had no involvement in it even being announced because apparently he hadn't even decided to. So why did it happen? Left-wing dark money groups. You know who those are? You know what dark money is? Dark money is the ability created by, guess who? Congress. You know, there are restrictions, legal restrictions that have been in place by Congress about campaign contributions. You know, how much an individual can give to any particular candidate Um, how much a corporation can give to any particular candidate. And it's very restrictive. And to be honest with you, you know how much money is spent. Maybe you don't know, but you don't run for the United States presidency with any hope of winning without having a minimum of a billion dollars at your ready access to campaign. Where does a president, any president of the United States that wants to serve, where do they come up with a billion bucks? And you can't get it through the legal channels. Even your PAC, your political action committee, there's only so much they can pull together. So what is all this dark money? Where does that come from? You heard of super PACs? Congress said it's okay. It went to the, by the way, The United States Supreme Court, they looked into it and they made it legal. And I guess it'll stay legal until somebody breaks the door down and reveals how much corruption is there. Endless supplies of money and it remains anonymous in most cases. Contributors don't have to identify themselves like they do when you give to a campaign of a particular candidate, or you give to a PAC. It's public information. Super PACs? Uh Uh-uh. You found a way to do it. Well, some of these, not one, but some of these super PACs, these big dark money entities, are getting all their money from far-left liberal billionaires. Now, when you say far-left billionaires, I mean, you can click off a list of 10 of those yourself. I can, too. Far-left and billionaires. They want a hardcore leftist to replace Justice Steve Breyer. They demand that a hardcore leftist replaces Justice Stephen Breyer. Breyer's retirement was reported by the press before he even made it. And, of course, that led to speculation. It had to been leaked by a White House eager to appease their left-wing critics after its recent legislative failures. 
and of course worried about Republicans winning the Senate in 2022. Left-wing groups and elected Democrats had all been pressuring Breyer to retire for months, fearful of repeating the experience of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death two years ago. Remember that? That allowed Donald Trump to appoint a third justice to the Supreme Court. Several Democrats began pushing Breyer to retire last year. Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, a Democrat, of course, she ran for the presidency for five minutes. She urged Breyer to retire, her words, sooner rather than later last July. Breyer himself pushed back on the suggested noting, Mean things, people had said, his words, mean things. One of the loudest voices urging Breyer's retirement had been demand justice. That's a left-wing group formed to oppose Trump's Supreme Court picks. The group proudly launched a Breyer retire campaign even before Joe Biden took office. The Biden White House has close ties to demand justice. I'm sure that's no surprise through several of their senior administration officials. Both White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki and Paige Herwig, Biden's point person on judicial nominations, previously worked for Demand Justice, which is part of a massive dark money network. And that network is called the 1630 Fund. Can you believe this kind of crap is so structured and organized? Well, it is, folks. Follow the money. Demand justice is open about seeking to overhaul the entire federal court system to advance their, what they call progressive goals, but should be called leftist goals. They want to add seats to the Supreme Court. They want to add term limits for justices. They want to overhaul it and swing not just the Supreme Court, but every level of the judiciary Further left, that's from Caitlin Sutherland, executive director of conservative-leaning Americans for Public Trust. In her statement yesterday, Severino speculated that Demand Justice and some other groups just like it had a hand in Breyer's retirement. And the way it was leaked, which seemed to force his hand, she said Justice Breyer prides himself on not being a partisan, can't be happy about a retirement announcement that was leaked, very possibly by the White House. Maybe Joe Biden and left-wing dark money groups bullying him to retire wanted to be sure that he followed through with it, so they outed him. It's almost like a closet person that's been in the closet, gay person, for years and years and years, people talking to you, maybe people that loved you, but they're talking to you. You just got to quit hiding this. Just go public with it, and you don't do it, so they out you. She added, Severino, it bears reminding that both Jen Psaki and Paige Herwig previously worked for Demand Justice. The White House has declined to say much in public about his retirement, noting he'd not yet officially announced it, though adding that it would stick to Biden's promise to nominate a black female jurist to the court. In other words, we're going we're gonna to follow the racist plan that we won't talk about. We point our fingers at everybody else for doing stuff like this, but when we do it, oh, it's righteous. Breyer wasn't planning to announce his retirement yesterday. 
And he put it out there that he was upset with how this has played out. Breyer was surprised. He said he was caught off guard about the announcement. Neither Breyer nor the Supreme Court has yet to issue a public announcement about his retiring. In fact, I got to be honest with you, he may not retire. I don't know a lot about Justice Breyer, but I can tell you this. He does not like to be manipulated. He's always considered himself to be an individual. Sometimes he's a swing vote. Sometimes, most of the time, he votes with the left side of the court. But other times, they get hacked off at him because he'll vote the other way. He might just flip the switch on this and say, false news, fake news, I'm not going anywhere. When rumors that Biden may nominate Vice President Kamala Harris to the court, when those immediately hit the blogosphere, White House Press Secretary Saki stated she was not comment on any potential nominees to the court, noting the absence of Breyer's statement. When she was pressed about the VP, she said Biden has every intention, as he said before, of running for re-election and for running for re-election with Vice President Harris on the ticket as his partner. If Breyer does announce his retirement, Chuck Schumer, he said Biden's Supreme Court nominee will receive a prompt Senate hearing. Well, if he does retire, it would almost absolutely not be until June at the earliest, the, the end of the this year's session. Schumer said President Biden's nominee will receive a prompt hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee, will be considered and confirmed by the full Senate with all deliberate speed. Reports say, and again, here's Schumer, he's leaking this out there. I think what he's trying to do is force, by saying all this stuff, force Breyer not just to resign, but to do it now. Manipulation. Now, I told you you're going to hear from Jonathan Turley. Turley is a, he's one of the, and he's a Democrat, folks. Oh, my gosh, he's one of those evil leftists. I'm joking. He is a uh, George Washington University law school professor. Yesterday, he said that Biden's criteria for new Supreme Court justice, that she be black and female. Listen to this. Turley said that's unconstitutional in other contexts, according to the Supreme Court itself. Now, Turley was talking about this news that Breyer was going to retire and Biden promising he was going to nominate a black and female justice to the court at the first opportunity. Turley pointed to us yesterday. He said this, remember in his debate with Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden made two pledges to voters and asked his opponent to do the same to nominate only a black woman for the next open SCOTUS seat and to choose a woman as his vice president. Even with identity politics, the pledge to impose a gender and race requirement for the next Supreme Court nominee is as ironic as it is troubling. What Biden was declaring and what Sanders wisely avoided would effectively constitute discrimination in admission to the Supreme Court. Indeed, the Supreme Court has declared that such race or gender conditions 
are strictly unconstitutional for admission to even public colleges. The pledges that Biden has made amount to this. No matter how qualified men are, in the case of the Supreme Court, women who are not black may be qualified. He will not consider them as candidates. In the case of the vice president, such gender discrimination would be allowed as presidential candidates can select a running mate on any grounds and voters can decide if they approve. Justices, however, are lifetime appointees and presidents have always been careful to state that. While they seek diversity among their nominees, they would appoint the most qualified person regardless of race, religion, gender, or sexual orientation. But in a single declaration, Biden quickly dispensed with even the pretense of equal consideration. Imposing an absolute requirement that a nominee be a particular gender and race is effectively an affirmative action pledge. It is precisely what the Supreme Court already declared to be unconstitutional discrimination. Now there is a conundrum there for old Joe, right? (laughs) Old Joe, he's the father of anti-racism, or so he says, and he is the father of gender equity, or so he says, and so now Joe, he says, is going to go 180 degrees away from what he committed to, period. And he's pandering not just to the left, but to African-Americans. Here's what you're going to find out in all of this. We're going to go through, I'm just going to give you in just a few moments, we're going to go through and look at three uh, probable people he will, based on his criteria that he set, three possible candidates. We're going to go through and do that. But you haven't even seen the beginning of this, yet alone the end of this. This is going to get louder and louder and longer and longer And you know what it's going to depend on totally? Justice Breyer. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to go anywhere. He can tell them, blank you. I'm staying put. I wasn't ready to go. I didn't make the announcement. Somebody on the left tried to push me and I'm not going to, I'm not going to cave in. In fact, i got to be honest with you, I hope something like that happens. <laughs> I hope we can see somebody finally stand up, especially a leftist stand up for what's right, instead of just caving to political purposing. So who are the three that I would think might be on the short list? There are a bunch of outstanding black female attorneys and jurists in the nation. I know that, but I don't know too much about them. I do know about U.S. Court of Appeals for D.C., Judge Kintanji Brown. Her last name is Jackson, so she goes by Kitanji Brown Jackson. She has the distinction of having passed Senate confirmation already, making it through the process last year on a 53-47 vote. That's a big deal, too, right now especially. Three Republicans voted for her. She's considered a liberal, one who ruled frequently against the Trump administration when she was on the D.C. District Court. But she's not considered as potentially radical as is 
Justice Leandra Kruger of the California Supreme Court. She was appointed by fellow Yaw School alum, Governor Jerry Brown, a Democrat, back in 2014. Kruger has compiled an impressive legal career in a very short time, including work at the Supreme Court, but has never served on the bench or practiced law in California. The Los Angeles Times reported in 2020 she had emerged as a moderate, though that's relative to a liberal California court, right? (laughs) And then the third, and I just got to throw it in there because it's going to be voiced a bunch, Vice President Kamala Harris. Um, Is she qualified? Well, she failed the bar exam. She would be the first Supreme Court justice to have done so. But she does have a long legal career behind her. She was elected District Attorney of San Francisco, also California Attorney General. She's considered to have very radical views on a variety of issues and prosecuted anti-abortion filmmaker David Daleden. But nominating her would help the West Wing solve some political problems about potentially replacing Joe Biden. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) The plot thickens, and we're just day one into this, right? So the White House weighed in a little bit about the rumors out there. Saki again. Of course, she knows everything going on in Joe's head. She's probably the only person. I don't even think Joe's wife knows everything going on in his head. I think maybe Jim Saki's got a better take on it. She said this, the president has every intention, as he said before, of running for re-election, for running for re-election with Vice President Harris on the ticket. Rumors of Harris as a possible SCOTUS nominee resurfaced at several points when reports broke the news that Breyer plans to retire this year. Anonymous sources from the Biden administration dismissed the rumors in private comments to Punchbowl News. Saki didn't want to say anything or give or discuss any detail of any future Supreme Court nominee, telling reporters she would have nothing to say about the process until Breyer's announcement was official. And as we told you, Breyer's hacked off. (laughs) And I don't blame him. Somebody else out there, somebody that's got a lot of money, and somebody that wants to control the entire government process wants you to retire, and so they outed him. He had been talking about it and considering it. I mean, he's 83. That's kind of a natural thing, I think you would say. So, Breyer, will he stay? Will he go? And if he goes, who's going to take his chair on the bench? That's one big monster of discussion taken out of the mix today. But we're just getting started. We've got more. Hi, this is Christina Ricci with Rain. Every two minutes, another American is sexually assaulted. If you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted, you are not alone. Help is just a call or click away through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Please call 1-800-656-HOPE, that's H-O-P-E, or visit rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. Brought to you by Rain and this station. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. 
Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now, or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing everyday price cuts. Thank you. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, 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 well the plot thickens. Every day, folks, it's something new going on in Washington, D.C. for us to talk about. And you know what? I was just sitting here thinking during the break. How many things are really going on in Washington, D.C. that we don't know about? Or how many things that we've heard a little bit about? You heard some rumors. You heard maybe a little bit of information. And all of a sudden, something big just bangs on the scene. And we forget about the other stuff. It's like it went away. How much of it hasn't gone away? It's just been hidden from us, hoping that we'll forget. We'll forget. And when there are corruption items in the news, oh my gosh, there's deflection, hide, deflect, deny. It goes on ad nauseum. It's unbelievable, yet Americans have just come to accept it. That's the way you work. That's the way you do it. I mean, we're in politics. Everybody knows there's political corruption going on. It's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. So, yeah, maybe we're going to do it a little bit, but we'll never be as bad as so-and-so. That's the justification. And they might not even say it. They just think we we know. You know that's the way it works. So it's all going to happen. Nothing you can do is going to change it. So let's just move on. Peter Schweitzer's new book, folks, you got to get it. Get it audiobook. It takes a lot less time to just sit doing whatever you do around the house, at your office, at your desk, wherever you are, with earbuds in, listening to an audiobook. Red-handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. That's the title of Schweitzer's book. Well, You know, we've told you and we've given you a couple of little tidbits out of the book about Biden family syndicate corruption, but there's more. The book tells a story of how Senator Dianne Feinstein's husband, Richard Blum, was part owner of a Chinese firm that allegedly sold computers with spyware chips. You're not going to believe who they sold them to the U.S. military, to the Pentagon. 
The military has never been able to calculate how much sensitive data these computers allowed China to steal. Can you believe that? In a total coincidence that could not possibly have been related in any way to Feinstein's friendship with the tyrants of Beijing, her husband, he closed a great deal of lucrative business with Chinese companies, including entities run by the communist government and are linked to the People's Liberation Army, the PLA. One of those deals saw Blum, Diane's husband, He became a major investor in a computer company that was founded by researchers from the Chinese Academy of Sciences, which is an institution tied to both the Chinese government and the PLA. The company was originally called Legend, but is better known by its second name that I've heard, and I'm sure you have too, Lenovo. Lenovo grew into a big player in the worldwide computer marketplace when it acquired IBM's line of PC products back in 2005. You know, I didn't know till today that Lenovo is a Chinese company. Their deal to buy IBM's business included 350 million bucks in investments from three American private equity firms. One of them was Richard Bloom's Newbridge Capital. Some lawmakers were worried that Lenovo's purchase of IBM's PC line could jeopardize our national security and transfer advanced American computer technology over to China. Folks, this all happened back when China wasn't the big player in computer stuff in China or internationally. Hmm. Security and transfer advanced stuff, that's the big thing in this. Now, guess what? What was going on while this was happening? Senator Dianne Feinstein, Richard's wife, sat on the Senate Intelligence Committee at the time, and she didn't weigh in with any negativity. Go figure. It didn't take long for security agencies across the Western world, including our own, but the UK, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia to discover security vulnerabilities in Lenovo products and ban them from sensitive operations. Our State Department announced it would not allow Lenovo computers to connect to its classified network way back in 06. That was just barely a year after the IBM acquisition. Somehow, Lenovo still managed to sell a big number of laptop computers to the Pentagon, which discovered that many of those included motherboard chips that would record all the data that was being inputted into the laptop and send it back to China. That's been confirmed, folks. A year after that testimony was revealed, Blum sold his stake in Lenovo. So the Pentagon released an audit in 2019, found that the Department of Defense still has not formally banned computers from Lenovo, who is, by the way, now the largest personal computer company in China, even though the DHS, Homeland Security, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff Intelligence Directorate have both identified the machines as cyber espionage risk. The Air Force purchased 1,378 Lenovo products worth $1.9 million as recently 
as 2018. And we're not done yet. I promised you some political corruption. There's more. On Jesse's Jesse Waters' primetime show yesterday, Peter Schweitzer was there, and he said House Speaker Nancy Pelosi went soft from her previous anti-Chinese Communist Party position. What happened to make her go soft? After her husband and son started seeking financial deals in Beijing. He added that while her family has done a lot of business in China since the COVID outbreak, she refused to allow congressional hearings to discuss the origins of the COVID virus. There's no there there. There's no conflict of interest there. Why would anybody in government, our government, not want to know what the source was? Well, maybe you don't want Americans to know what the source is. Maybe you're somehow implicated, but even worse, folks, Maybe your business partners in China asked you, Speaker Pelosi, can you slow down or eliminate the investigations by the United States Congress into the possibility of us being involved in putting the COVID-19 virus out around the world? Somebody's going to hear me say that and say, that is so extreme. No, it's not extreme for me to say it. It's extreme if that's what's going on. Schweitzer added, while her family has done a lot of business in China, and she didn't do this congressional hearing thing, she didn't didn't even reply about it, he said Nancy Pelosi used to be pretty anti-Chinese Communist Party earlier in her career. Then her husband and son started looking for deals in Beijing. It's interesting. You'll remember the last time China held the Olympics in 08? Nancy Pelosi was in favor of a boycott. And then, lo and behold, her husband was partner in a couple of limo companies that got major contracts in China to ferry VIPs around the Olympics. And Pelosi suddenly went from boycotting the Olympics to saying that she was opposed to a boycott for the Olympics. <laughs> Look, Nancy Pelosi's family has done a lot of business in China since the COVID outbreak. She has refused to allow one single congressional hearing to even discuss the origins of the COVID virus. Why on earth would the Speaker of the House take that position? Great question. And by the way, there are big ties, big ties there between the Pelosi's and the Biden's. I just thought I'd throw that in. China, 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 China. There's more China news. I'm sure you know, next week, I think it starts next week, they'll have the opening ceremonies. The Olympics are in Beijing. Whoa, 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 the Olympics. Are you going? No, you're not going. (laughs) They won't let you. No spectators, folks. It's going to be all television. Who's all up into that? NBC. They've spent billions to get the rights to the Olympics. You know, NBC, General Electric, far left, they have no problem with supporting China, the genocidists, who are slaughtering Uyghurs, 
you know, those evil Muslims. Forcing our abortions, stealing organs, selling organs from these people that they have in concentration pants, but NBC is right up in there amongst them now. Why? They're going to give us big bucks. We're going to make a lot of money from it. And this didn't just begin to happen. Listen to this. You know who's wrapped up into this this year with China? George W. Bush. Bush 43. Yesterday, he went public and he's discouraging any of those people who are calling for a boycott of the Beijing Winter Olympics. Now, there are a lot of opponents of the event. China's the world's largest and potentially most prolific human rights criminal, currently engaged in extreme repression of religion, free expression, economic activity, and the other basic indicators of a country that's going to be free. Extensive evidence has led to a growing number of countries in the free world, including the U.S., to officially declare China guilty of genocide for the destruction of the Uyghur people of East Turkestan using mass sterilization, slavery, concentration camp internments to stunt population growth in the region. Given China's history of abuse towards athletes, particularly the disappearance of that tennis champion, Ping Shuai, over her accusation of rape against Olympic official, those who support the Beijing Olympics boycott also say sending athletes to the Games places them at unnecessary risk of repression by this same government and the Chinese Communist Party. The party itself confirmed those fears by last week warning that athletes could face police action if they express opinions that dissent from the communist orthodoxy while they're in Beijing. Most high-profile political leaders in the U.S. have not called for a boycott, but many of the few who have are Republicans. In an apparent attempt at persuading GOP to embrace China as an Olympic host, the Global Times claimed Wednesday that unnamed Chinese reporters had dug out an interview with then-President George W. Bush from 08 when the president was in Beijing for that year's Summer Olympics. He attended a whole bunch of events while he was there. He even passed around friendly photos with American athletes participating in baseball, volleyball, swimming, basketball, and some other sports. He dismissed human rights concerns in China, was largely absent from the global outrage surrounding Russian leader Vladimir Putin's invasion and the colonization of two regions of Georgia, which began the first day of the Summer Games. The 08 Olympics preceded the massacre of Uyghurs in East Turkestan in 09 that served as a prelude for the mass construction of concentration camps and current ongoing genocide. The Global Times didn't publish any direct quotes from Bush from the interview or state with whom the former president did the interview. Instead, it paraphrased points that Bush made at the time. When asked about his decision to defy political pressure even to go to the games, Bush said he was looking forward and that he was even a little excited. 
He noted that he and the U.S. respect the Chinese people, their history, and their tradition. Quote, as U.S. president, it's not only important to have good relations with China, but with the whole region, noting that he does not deem diplomatic policies as a zero-sum game. What I'm concerned is that the U.S. is becoming more isolated and worships protectionism. He noted that protectionism was bad for the U.S. and the world's economy. The Global Times also claimed Bush told reporters that he had decided to decouple Olympics with politics and that he was showing the Chinese people his respect by attending the Olympics. Now, in fairness to him, he comes from a very wealthy family. And when you have a lot of money, you get a little insulated from uh, all the cares of the the world of other people that aren't wealthy. You know what I mean? It's hard to relate to them. And I get a little sense of that. I always did from Bush the Younger. He just seemed to be walking in a little different world from us. You You can't do that, Dan. He was a Republican. He was a conservative. He was a great president. Well, there's a lot of baggage that he brought with him and a lot of baggage that he took away with him. And a lot of people paid some big prices A lot of people, by the way, gave their lives because of the claims that were purveyed by people in his administration and the previous Bush, Bush 41's administration, about stuff going on in the Middle East and because it was all evil. You know, those nukes that Saddam Hussein had in Iraq. We got to go. We got to go invade. We got to go. We got thousands of people were killed. Many Americans killed. No nukes. There weren't any. That's just one example. Don't even want to go down that road. One more little bit about China. Interesting, the ties between the National Basketball Association and China. China, I you know, all these big contracts they pay. By the way, all those players, you know, I mean, the NBA plays two or three games a week. They're on the road all the time. So every one of these NBA teams have their own private jets, corporate jets, Sometimes they're commercial jets that have been refitted to haul around about 15 to 20 people. And I'm not talking about, they don't have rows of seats, folks. They have a seat here, a seat there, a seat here, a seat there. Easy, roll around, do all that kind of stuff. They are nice, really, really nice. All that money, or a huge portion of it, comes from China. The Chinese people love basketball, and they love the NBA. Capital One Arena, they broadcast their games there. And yesterday, they broadcast a pre-recorded speech of Chinese ambassador to America, Ken Gang. And the speech was about the occasion of Lunar New Year, which is the NBA referred to as Chinese New Year despite it being a celebration that's observed throughout Asia that also featured Chinese dance troops, a performance of the Star Spangled Banner on a Chinese traditional instrument and other activities honoring Chinese culture. They broke into the game that was going on, the Washington Wizards and the Los Angeles Clippers, to pay that speech. This official Chinese government appearance at what was billed as an apolitical sporting event follows years of efforts by both the NBA and the Communist Party to strengthen their ties 
resulting in the NBA profiting to the tune of billions of dollars. The NBA's partnership with Chinese mega streamer Tencent ensures that Chinese fans can watch government-censored versions of the competition that's going on over here. The NBA's eagerness to cooperate with government-friendly Chinese partners has elevated the profiles of individuals such as Alibaba founder and billionaire Joseph Tsai, owner of the Brooklyn Nets, by the way, who has used his platform to promote his authoritarian, pro-Beijing opinions in the NBA. Now, the ambassador congratulated NBA on its legendary 75th anniversary, hoping it will keep on getting better in the years to come. Wow, doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? These people, folks, they're applauding, they're supporting, they're in business with the most totalitarian nation on the planet, and that's okay? Well, yeah, it's okay. It's okay because they're making a lot of money. And that way, you know, Americans are going to get hooked on whatever products they support and endorse. How do you think Nike made all its money? You can't go anywhere in Southeast Asia where Nike shoes are not gold. I spent a considerable amount of time in the nation of Malaysia. Kuala Lumpur is where I was both times I was there. Big city. It's bigger than New York. I think it's got 5 million more people than Manhattan does. I mean, it's monstrous. And they have a lot of money there. And it's it's a different thing. You can drive down one street and they'll have these high-rise, fancy office buildings, the Ritz-Carlton's, all these, and just amazing. The food there is incredible. And they'll have all those. You, you think you're in New York City or downtown L.A. on in Beverly Hills or someplace like that, one block over, you have little merchants that are sitting out on the street and they have dogs hanging up trying to sell to people so they'll be able to get money to feed their families, little shanty houses. I mean, extreme wealth, but even more extreme poverty. Nike is everywhere over there. As Donald Trump said again and again, he would say it like this, China, China. China. Biggest market on the planet. More people than any other country. But also, one of the most evil countries on the planet. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months of participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep, there's only one. 
is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. I told you, you're going to hear from Mark Levin. Mark Levin, a commentator, a constitutional attorney. Well, he had Peter Schweitzer on his show yesterday, and they got into more of this China stuff, this China stuff, and Joe Biden and the Biden family. I thought about it, I thought about it, and I said, our people got to hear this. Here's Mark Levin and Peter Schweitzer. Listen closely to what you're about to hear. Joe Biden's been in government forever. Let me ask you a question on this, Peter Schweitzer. Did the communist Chinese regime make it part of their mission to invest in the Biden family, knowing full well that Joe Biden was a longtime career politician with lots of influence? I think there's no question, Mark. Uh, And look, uh, we spent more than a year investigating red-handed, and one of the most startling things we uncovered is the simple fact that the Biden family, while he was vice president of the United States and continuing when he became president, uh, received some $31 million from Chinese uh, individuals who are linked to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. $31 million. Whoa. Yep. Yep. $31 million. Uh, And these deals, uh, which we lay out in the book, um, were carried out by a couple of individuals. Uh, One is a guy named Che Feng. Uh, Hunter Biden in the Hunter Biden emails refers to him as the super chairman. That's kind of his nickname for him. Uh, And he says in one email, I don't believe in the lottery anymore, but I believe in the super chairman. Now, who is Che Feng? He's kind of this sketchy uh, Chinese uh, businessman. His business partner at the time that he was striking deals with Hunter Biden, his business partner was the vice minister at the Ministry for State Security. Um, He was in charge of, among other things, recruiting foreign nationals to spy for China. He was the head of something called the Number 8 Bureau. Um, It doesn't get any higher than that. Uh, These are the sorts of individuals that were striking deals with Hunter Biden. Um, In this particular case, Che Feng happened to to help a $20 million deal be secured. Uh, Another individual that helped arrange that deal uh, uh, is a guy named Mr. Zhao. Uh, Mr. Zhao helped with that $20 million deal. He also sent $5 million to Hunter Biden. Uh, And he sent that money from a very interesting business called Harvest Global. So you have Mr. Zhao sending $5 million. Who's his business partner, Mark? His business partner is the daughter of the former head of the Ministry of State Security. This is the guy who runs the entire spy apparatus for China. Um, Again, it does not get any higher than that. So what this means, Mark, is that in total, the Biden family got $31 million. 
they performed no discernible legitimate business activities as I can find for that $31 million. And it all, every single deal came from individuals tied at the highest levels to the Chinese intelligence apparatus. So there's no question in my mind that they were targeted by the Chinese. Uh, and for the life of me, Mark, this is unprecedented. I don't know of a time in American history where the American first family uh, has had this kind of a financial bond with a foreign intelligence service, particularly a foreign intelligence service that wants to uh, defeat the United States in global competition. You know, Peter Schweitzer, ironically, the emoluments clause that they used to talk about with Trump has as its purpose to prevent this sort of thing where somebody who yes. becomes president or other people in the family are basically paid off or invested in, we'll use that phrase, by a foreign government. They had great fear about this sort of thing. And I cannot believe that $31 million, as you write, pours into the Biden family and Joe Biden doesn't know anything about it. He is the, uh, the, the, the head of the Biden clan. That's number one. Number two, they all live very well. Uh, number three, it is amazing how this Democrat Congress doesn't want any of the tax returns of any of the Biden family members. There's been no investigation of any of the Biden family members. He's the current president of the United States. Uh, when you consider how they've gone after Donald Trump with these uh, with these fake issues, Joe Biden directly, how has he benefited from the communist Chinese? Well, it's a great question, Mark. Um, he directly benefited because the other uh, thing that we lay out in the book is it's very, very clear that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden have had intertwined finances uh, for a very long time. Uh, what, do I, what do I mean by intertwined finances? Well, you know, there are communications where Hunter Biden complains to other family members that he's having to send half his money to pop. Uh, which is his father. But there's also specific examples of him paying his father's bills. Uh, some of them are rudimentary. There's a $320 uh, a month uh, phone bill uh, for, for a, a back channel phone that Joe Biden has when he's vice president of the United States. Hunter Biden's paying that. But there's also tens of thousands of dollars of other bills in terms of renovations on Biden family homes, uh, et cetera. So the bottom line is uh, money that Hunter Biden connected overseas directly fit benefited uh, not only Hunter Biden, but Joe Biden himself and other family members, including James Biden. Uh, there's a couple of million dollars of the Chinese money that ends up being uh, sent to James Biden. Um, one other point to make, Mark, which I think is very important and I think lays out the fact that this needs serious investigation, uh, not only by the FBI, uh, but also by Congress with subpoena power. Something very curious happens when Hunter Biden is securing these deals. There's five deals we've identified that are linked to Chinese intelligence. Hunter Biden goes to the Secret Service and says, I no longer want protection when I travel overseas. Uh, that is a stunning thing that needs to be looked into. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want records, I guess, where he's going and who he's talking to. Yeah, this is all something that just kind of floats around and the American media cover it up. Uh, they have enormous amount of resources if they wanted to investigate this. They can raise a lot of questions about it. Congress has subpoena power. Uh, the Department of Justice doesn't have to sit on its hands. And yet there it is sitting on its hands. All the so-called institutions that are there to protect us from this sort of thing uh, seem to be uh, devoured and controlled by the wrong party in this country. So there's Joe Biden 
with these various connections. There's his family with these various connections. And all we keep hearing about is Donald Trump and his family. They've been investigated by Congress. They've been criminally investigated, which was an outrage. They're still under attack. And there's Joe Biden. $31 million came into this family. It's absolutely appalling. There's no there there. Come on, Mark. There's nothing there. I mean, they're just good, honest people. Yeah, they're taking advantage of opportunities, but that's the American dream, right? We all have the opportunity to pursue our own dreams. Well, that's where it starts. But then what it turns in very quickly, by the way, when you're in power in government in the United States, it turns into corruption. Corruption. What you just heard Peter Schweitzer talk about was illegal activity, folks. Now, I'm going to wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to drop something on you all before the end of the show that, I mean, it may rattle your teeth. <laughs> I don't mean that literally. I'm just saying it's going to shock you. I almost launched into it right now, but I'm going to save it. And the reason I'm going to save it is that I've, I've got one more I told you we had a bunch of really bad political corruption things to talk to you about. And uh, we got 40 minutes left in the show. The last 20, 25 minutes, we're going to get into that. You don't want to miss. I'm going to make a prediction, and I'm going to call for something to happen. And I think it's going to blow your mind. really do. Well, in the middle of all of this Supreme Court stuff, the left cannot forget about the fact that Donald Trump appointed three members Three new justices for the Supreme Court. Oh my gosh, they couldn't believe that the orange man was able to do that. MSNBC anchor Joy Reid, who's the most racist person on television, she said yesterday on her show, The Readout, listen to this, it is scandalous, she said, that Supreme Court Associate Justices Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas were on the Supreme Court deciding abortion cases. And, of course, they were discussing whatever the and whoever the replacement for Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer that's retiring. They were discussing that. And the nations at CNN shows, Justice Correspondent Ellie Meistel said, we should not have an issue about their qualifications to say nothing of their moral qualifications because I'm pretty sure, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that Joe Biden will not nominate somebody who has been credibly accused of trying to rape someone when they were in high school. I'm pretty sure, I don't know this for a fact, that Joe Biden will not nominate someone who was accused of perjury in front of Congress at a previous confirmation hearing. I'm going to go on. I'm not going to weigh in on that right now. The host, Joy Reid, said, I feel like in some ways Republican nominations have either been a bait and switch on black folks as when Clarence Thomas was nominated to replace the great Thurgood Marshall. So they're saying, here, look, we're going to give you a black person, but it's somebody whose agenda on the court is going to be anti-ethical to everything Thurgood Marshall stood for, which is also why it makes me happy to see Sherilyn Eiffel's name on that list because she sits on that role at the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. It's all punitive, or the highly stringent ideological, regardless of their moral qualifications. You think of a Kavanaugh, and the same with Clarence Thomas, 
the things they were accused of. The fact that that court decides whether women have control over our bodies with two men on like that is scandalous for a democracy. Now, I know some of you probably are looking at your computer screens and you're screaming. How could these two people say that? But folks, that's not unusual anymore. That's become the norm. That has become the norm in the nation, in the legacy media. Did you notice they've changed their title? I meant to mention this yesterday and I forgot about it. They're no longer the mainstream media. They don't want to be called that. They want to be called the legacy media. In other words, we were the ones that were here first. The upstarts like Newsmax and One America News and Fox News, they're not the legacy media. It's MSNBC and CNN and ABC and CBS and NBC News. We're legacy. They have no credibility, but they want to sound like they're credible. This crap that you just heard is nothing but hardcore leftist sexism, racism, and xenophobia. Brett Kavanaugh, she said, and this is the term she used, credibly accused of raping a girl in high school. Nobody stepped forward with information that proved it. And all through that entire process and after it, we find out that people that stepped forward that made claims, they lied about it. They came forward and said it didn't really happen. They were doing it because they were fed something. You remember when we started the show, we did a story and talked about dark money? Dark money, those dark money entities came forward and have been for months pressuring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer to resign so Joe Biden could refill his seat with a far leftist because they're afraid the conservative court is going to grow in conservatism and they can't let that happen. And so here we come, the media lapdogs, to start denigrating everything about conservatives at every ilk. Clarence Thomas, nothing he has ever ruled on has been racist. The only thing that matters to the far left, and this should really open the eyes of these African-American people, especially those that, like Joy Reid, she makes a buttload full of money, folks, at MSNBC. She's the second highest on-air person when it comes to pay. And she's very smart but she is so in the tank for totalitarianism, leftist ideals and ideology. She can't even think straight, but she thinks she does. And she talks like she does. I'll just be blunt. She hates white Americans. And that bleeds into everything that she says on air, like you just heard. Uh, On this same panel, when they were having this conversation yesterday, there was one white guy. I don't know his name, and one white woman. The white woman joined in with Joy Reid. The white man didn't speak. I wonder why. Nothing you can say if you're a man. Oh, it's even worse if you're a white man. (laughs) There's nothing you can say that's going to fit into the, 
the context of what they're talking about, so why even open your mouth? Let's move on. we got to move on. I just thought that was very telling. New York, let's go into law enforcement. Let's go into what's going on in law enforcement around the nation. Let's face it, people are dying. People are getting slaughtered. People are getting murdered. We're going to run out of time today, but folks, there is a massive increase in deaths in the United States of America in 2021 from 2020, and all of the so-called experts in D.C. are trying to shuffle the cards and come up with some real answers. Well, maybe not the truth, but maybe something that can sell to the American people to believe everything's okay. And so we look at law enforcement. Murders are skyrocketing across the nation. It's really, really bad in big cities, but it's, it's also very bad in smaller cities and communities around the nation. New York City. Let's talk about New York for a second, because that's the epicenter of this lawlessness. A big portion of arrest criminal suspects who were freed from jail, you know, they don't they have this no bail thing going on in New York City. They call it a, a bail reform law. It eliminates bail for a bunch, a whole series of crimes. A huge portion of of the arrested criminals since this policy happened, no bail, they just get released. A huge portion of them that were arrested for a series of serious crimes were later rearrested on additional criminal charges. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo signed that bail reform measure into state law. It allows suspects that are accused of second-degree manslaughter criminally negligent homicide, child sex crimes, and even making threats of terrorism, it lets them walk from jail, free, never having to post bail. Well, the about the same time, in fact, within days, the state law went into effect. New York City's supervised release program, it allows thousands of criminals to be released following their arrest, Since then, the data shows that from January 2020 to June of 2021, the elimination of bail for those wide range of criminal suspects has resulted in thousands being rearrested almost every time for even more serious crimes. An analysis of the city of data compiled by the State Office of Court Administration along with the State Division of Criminal Justice reveals a much higher rate More recently, 23% of those freed on supervised release were rearrested on felony charges during that time, January 2020 through June 21. And the data show that participants in supervised release are rearrested at an even higher rate. When misdemeanor rearrests are factored in, 41%. In all, Four out of every 10 individuals placed in the supervised release program from January 1, 2020 through June 21 were rearrested after being freed. 40%, 40%. I could go into names in particular instances. I'm not going to do that. That's not my point. My point is, folks, lawlessness is taking over the country and it's being doing that by invitation. By invitation. These far-left governors and mayors and now district attorneys around the nation, 
the two biggies, there are really three, St. Louis, New York City, and Los Angeles, George Soros heavily funded district attorneys, and they were put in place to stop enforcing local and state laws regarding the prosecution and convictions of these criminals, of serious crimes. That just seems like that can't happen in the United States of America. So yesterday in the White House, White House press briefing, the brain surgeon that runs the media department at the White House, Jen Psaki, she, of course, took a question from Peter Ducey of Fox News. Listen to this regarding crime and this administration's way of handling it. He's been here in office for more than a year. And the murder rate is nearing a 25-year high. So why don't we see and hear more from the president about this? We hear all the time about things that you guys are doing to fight the pandemic because that is a risk to American people. A rising murder rate is a risk to American people too, right? And he has spoken to crime. But I think what people are most uh, uh, focused on, as they should be, are what actions he has taken. He has unveiled a strategy to focus federal law enforcement resources on combating uh, violent crime, offered unprecedented levels of funding through the rescue plan for cities and states to put more cops on the beat, and invest in uh, proven community anti-violence programs, something every Republican voted against. The Department of Justice has announced $139 million in grants to cities for community policing, which will put 1,000 more officers on the streets. He's also proposed doubling those grants, and he's called for an additional $750 million for federal law enforcement. He's announced a zero-tolerance policy for gun dealers who sell willfully, uh, willfully sell illegal guns, and we've launched gun trafficking strike forces in New York and cities across the country. Actions are important here, and he has a long record of them. But does the president think that any of that is working? The president thinks you should have a plan to address crime and gun violence. He has one, and we look forward to working with people who support that effort. But as the murder rate nears a 25-year high, would he consider maybe trying something different? Trying something other than uh, supporting a massive plus-up in funding from his predecessor, cracking down on gun trafficking and gun violence, which is a major driver of the violence we've seen across the country, working to support community policing programs and police departments across the country. I think most people who want to fight crime would agree that's the right approach. What we heard was a spokesperson for the president, and she wasn't saying anything. She didn't say anything. She read everything. I don't know if you've ever watched any of the briefings, but she comes into the briefing, she sets this big notebook down on the podium, and any question that comes up, she'll start thumbing through. They have indexed out there every topic that they know are going to be asked about. And so she flips over there, and instead of just referencing the talking points, in this case, she just started reading them. You know why she did? She couldn't answer truthfully Peter Ducey's questions. He tried every way he possibly could to get her to talk about the substance of what's really happening. We got a bunch of crime, murder rates, serious criminal acts are going even higher than we thought they ever could. They blamed it on COVID for a period of time, but you heard her solution for everything. Throw money at it. That's what we do. We throw money at it. 
we're funding this and we're giving money for that. And oh, by the way, we're getting tough on crime. Gun store owners, they're selling those guns illegally to really bad people. Folks, they could shut down every gun store in America and crime gun violence would not go down at all. In fact, it would ramp back up. You know why? Because illegal gun owners, criminals, thugs, gang members out there, hey, 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 they can't buy guns anymore. That means we can even go more places and break into more businesses and more homes because the people won't have guns. And then... Hey, we get arrested and go to jail. We don't even have to pay bail. They'll put us back on the street. We can jump bail and just move away somewhere. And they'll never know. They'll never be able to find us. That's how criminals think, folks. And if you want to fix crime, you've got to reconcile how criminals think and act with the methods you're going to use to stop the criminals. Does anybody listening, anybody listening right now, I'm looking at you all. In fact, I'm looking at your IP addresses, a bunch of you online right now. So I know where you live, at least what city and town. We've got people from New Zealand listening live today. I can't see your hands, but every, I'm just figuratively speaking. It's almost like being in church. Everybody out there that believes that raise your hand right now. That Joe Biden, what he's doing, throwing all this money, oh, by the way, that's your money, throwing all that against this crime problem, that it's going to work. It hasn't so far. I didn't see one hand go up. Everybody's, everybody's really confident that this isn't working. Peter Ducey asked her three times, basically saying, come on, Jen, it's not working. Is he going to do anything about it? Oh, he's doing this. He's doing that. They want to stop crime on the large part. They could stop 50% of the gun violence in Chicago if they do one thing. Go arrest those that are shooting the guns. Have the guns illegally. Seize the guns. Throw the people in the kahoot. Don't let them get out unless they pay a small fortune in bail and create a separate division of the Dade County Criminal Justice Department to do nothing but prosecute those that are arrested for gun violence. And then, by the law, prosecute them, convict them, and put them in the slammer. How long? Whatever the law says. It wouldn't take 10 minutes for the word to get out that that was going to happen in Chicago, you'd see gun violence go like that. And every other major country across the world, not just in the United States, every country would see the same results. Why does any politician feel like they must be soft on crime? Unless and until that's resolved, we're not going to see any changes. I'm going to step up one step higher here. There are more guns in America owned by conservatives. The numbers are staggering. Do they ever think there would be a remote, they being Washington, do they ever think there might be a remote possibility of armed 
Americans finally saying, we've had enough. We've had enough. And go to arms and start enforcing the laws themselves. Do you understand that we are very close to that exact thing possibly happening now? Let me tell you this. I live in a really neat neighborhood, a development in South Shreveport that it's kind of like a little town itself. And we have a lot of really good people here. And this is not necessarily a wealthy community. I mean, there are big homes. There are. They're really nice homes. Every home in here is nice. But there are a lot of smaller homes. There are people that have retired. There are a lot of working people, a lot of young families. I can tell you, living in the South, living in Louisiana, I know a bunch of fellow gun owners, concealed carriers, which I'm one of those. I have been for more than a decade. I'm not going out looking for anybody. That's not who I am. That's not what I want to be. I'm not about that. I don't even want to ever go there. But what I am about, folks, what I am about is taking care of my family. It's taking care of my relatives, my friends, my associates, my community. And if the local police, the county in Louisiana Parish Police, the state police won't do that job to protect us, I'm not just going to go hide. I'm going to do something proactively to see to it that we're safe. We in my house, we in my community are safe. There are millions of Americans besides me that feel that exact same way. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. drop on you. We're still a few minutes away from that. But let me do this. You remember that Houston cop got killed, was it last week or the week before? Immigration officials have now confirmed that the man accused of killing that Harris County Constable's deputy, Harris County's Houston, that person was illegally present in the United States at the time of the murder. He is a Salvadoran national who entered the U.S. illegally and was later arrested after fleeing 
to Mexico. In response to an inquiry, a U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement official stated that Jose Oscar Rosales, a 50-year-old citizen of El Salvador, illegally entered the U.S. on an unknown date and at an unknown location without inspection or parole by U.S. immigration officials, later fled to Mexico after murdering a Harris County constable's office on deputy duty. Wednesday, ICE enforcement and removal operations officers filed an immigration detainer on Rosales with the Valverde Sheriff's Office in Del Rio. U.S. Marshals and the Gulf Coast Violent Offenders Task Force teamed up with authorities in Mexico to arrest him. Rosales faces capital murder charges in Houston for allegedly killing Harris County Precinct 5 Constable Corporal Charles Galloway. Now this is a horrible story. It's unthinkable that this happened to this family. Folks, 600,000 plus criminal felony criminal actions were committed by illegals to just the people of Texas over a two-year period. 600,000. Everything from the top to the bottom. All kinds of murder. Aggravated rape. Massive attempted rapes, breaking and entering, assault, theft of all kinds. Every kind of felony crime you can imagine was perpetrated by these illegals. In Texas alone, 600,000, 2017 and 2018. That doesn't include any other state. Why is this happening? Why is this being allowed to happen? And then there's this. He hadn't been around for a long time, but Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is now admitting folks in private now that illegal immigration in President Biden's first year in office is worse now than ever before in American history. Leaked audio of Mayorkas in a private meeting with the Border Patrol agents reveals the official's true sentiment on the record illegal immigration levels that were set for last year when more than 2 million border crossers and illegals were apprehended. Here's what he said. Look, it's worse now than it frankly has been in at least 20 years, years if not ever. In another conversation, an agent reportedly told him that unlike under the Biden administration, illegal immigrants were more manageable when former President Trump was in office because everyone was doing their jobs. At one point, Rosas reports, an agent physically turned his back on Mayorkas in that meeting. The record high levels at the southern border are only the latest statistic that shows a nonstop flow of illegal immigration into the U.S. interior. In the first 10 months of 21, Biden helped fly nearly 45,000 border crossers and illegals into the U.S. on domestic commercial flights. Did you hear that? Biden, President Biden, helped fly nearly 45,000 border crossers and illegals into the U.S. on domestic commercial flights, allowing them to bypass, you know, that thing that you and I have to go through, everything short of a cavity search to get on the plane, 
They don't even have to provide a photo ID to get on these domestic flights. This is in addition to the more than half a million illegals that were released into the U.S. interior in all of last year. A guy named Stephen Coppitz with Princeton Policy Advisors. He correctly predicted illegal immigration levels last year. He estimates that illegal immigration this year will end up outpacing Biden's first year in office, making 21 and 22 the two worst years for illegal immigration in American history. Given the comparatively steady pace of apprehensions, we might expect recent experience under the Biden administration to continue, he said. Under such circumstances, we're forecasting 2.1 million apprehensions for both calendar year and fiscal year 2022. Both records, besting not only all other administrations, but even the Biden administration's disastrous first year. Okay. Let's put all of this in a barrel, everything that we've talked about today. I don't know if you can sense it or tell it, but I'm really angry. I've had enough. I've had enough. Every time anything is reported happening in this administration, I mean, folks, not every once in a while, every single time, my go-to initial thought is, okay, Let's trace it back and find the corruption that initiated this. There has to be a reason that this administration is doing this. Folks, not every once in a while, everything they say, everything Joe Biden does, follow the money, follow the corruption. That's the first thing I speak about. It's incomprehensible that any American should ever even have to consider that about someone in elected office in Washington, D.C. But this is not just somebody. This is the President of the United States. We heard today about what's going on regarding Joe Biden and his family. And we didn't hear any rumors, folks. We heard documented, factual evidence of massive financial wrongdoing on the part of the Biden family syndicate. Now, there's no such thing as a real Biden family syndicate. I made that up just to throw every, it's like a big bucket that we throw every evil thing in that comes up from time to time. When it raises its head, it's let's throw it in the Biden family syndicate bucket. And they just keep going and going and going more. Every other day or so, we find out something. So what does that make you do when you hear about these? Of course, sometimes you get upset. You get angry. You get beside yourself thinking about how wrong it is. I used to try to keep it isolated, each individual thing, trying to figure out, get my arms around it specifically. But listen, folks, the story at the southern border. I mean, we don't hear much about it anymore. In fact, many of you, if I don't bring it up here, you don't see or hear about it anywhere. Two million illegals. Two million in one year. And it's no big deal to this president. It's obviously no big deal to anybody that serves in his cabinet. 
But it just goes down layer after layer after layer in the government. Now, what are you referring to, Dan? We have three branches of government, executive, judiciary, and legislative. All three constitutionally work together. One can't dominate. It has to be a cooperative effort running our government, running our nation by all three. And they're co-equal branches. One's not bigger or better or supposedly more powerful than the other. That's changed. That fact has changed. Not because they've changed the rules, but because they're ignoring the rules. And they push. They push just a little bit here, a little bit here. Oh, let's try this. Let's see if we can get away with this. And the insanity of all of this was in no better way, no bigger way exposed than the two impeachments of Donald Trump. The first one was over a phone call. And it wasn't about the content of the call. It was about inferring into the things that were said in the call what Trump had to be meaning when he said those things. Forty-something million dollars, two and a half years, day after day after day of driving into Americans, every media outlet, every single hardcore leftist legacy media outlet into our heads. Evil Trump, evil Trump, colluded with Russia, colluded with Russia. When in fact... The exact opposite was true. They never found anything. Why? Obviously, because there wasn't anything. That doesn't matter. Substance in this administration, in this environment, means squat. The only thing that matters is I'm in charge. That's all that matters. Everything that's done, every policy that is issued, Every piece of legislation that is ever green-lighted to go higher for consideration and ultimately approved and then ultimately signed into law, it has to be to get more power over people. I, I could not sleep if I was Joe Biden knowing that my policies have killed I don't know how many thousands of American citizens. They don't support the rule of law. In fact, they thumb their noses at it. That's why murders are going through the roof. Law enforcement's been dumbed down. They're not allowed to put people in jail, even though that's what the law say they're supposed to do. But it's not humane to do that. Life in prison is just not fair. Somebody made a mistake. Yeah, a lot of people that are on death row, they made a mistake. And then they made a mistake. They made another one, another one, another one, and killed and scared people to death and destroyed all kinds of things. Holding people accountable is what the rule of law is all about. Now, where are you going with this, Dan? I'm going to wrap it up. Here's where I am, folks. There is no reason, no justification under the sun for not impeaching 
Joe Biden. But I'm not through. There's no excuse to not impeach DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who even laughs in our faces about him opening the border and letting all these illegals come in here, regardless of the consequences from economic to health care to every other thing you can imagine. He needs to be impeached. The head of the FBI. Yeah, he needs to be impeached. He was the number two under James Comey, Christopher Wray. He was deputy director then. He was up to his neck in all of the illegal violation of classified laws, forging FISA applications that went before the FISA court. He needs to be impeached. And that's just a start. The only way we're going to solve this problem and get back to the United States being the United States of America and governed of the people, by the people, and for the people is to get rid of the illegality. You got that for nothing, folks. I'm looking for people to run for office in 2022 and 2024 that will really, when they take their oath of office, really mean I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do it by the book for the American people. Nothing less. On that one, I'm done. (laughs) Have a great day. Thank you.